0: Welcome, 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 modern homemakers. Uh, This is the podcast by Donna Otto. You know, she's in a staying series. She talks about staying in all aspects of life. Today, it's why stay at home, or as Donna says, stay at home. Why? (laughs) Here's Donna.
1: I can't tell you how much fun it is to have this very good looking man across the desk from me and he knows me so well and knows what we've been doing these last 37 years. Can you believe I must be that old? I've been working at Modern Homemakers and Homemakers by Choice for 37 years. And this staying series is very important to me. (coughs) Excuse me. It's important to me because it was a principle that was formulated in my young life by the evidence of people not staying, by a lot of leaving personally. At the same time, there was an evidence of a lot of people who did stay. In grade school, I went to grade school and actually high school with a lot of members of the Jewish community. And um, I... We were. We didn't have a church, we didn't have a denomination. Uh, I spent the first years of my life in Roman Catholicism because my father was an Italian Catholic, and when my parents got married, my mother said, okay, she'd take us to the Catholic church with him. And then they didn't stay at that very long, and then they got divorced, and then I went to a Pentecostal church. But by the time I was in grade school, I was meeting these girls who had Jewish traditions. Hebrew traditions. They had special holidays. They had. um, I tried to say this the last time we were together, and I still can't find the word for the piece of metal usually that affixes to their front door. And then they went through the door. They would touch it, reminding themselves that who they belong to. And I noticed that they stayed together in long generations. There were moms and pops. There didn't seem to be many divorces in their family. Now, that was a long time ago, and divorce wasn't as popular. The theology of staying is the theology of abiding. If you go to the New Testament, you will see that you will find in the book of John a long chapter about the vine and the the fruit and staying in the vine and abiding in the vine and belonging and i saw a lot of that belonging that image of community that staying in in life together and now when i talk about staying i'm not just talking about staying in the bridge club or staying in the uh, you know exercise class although those are good things to stay in But in Deuteronomy, again, a book that leads us to lay down Old Testament covenants that are found in the New Testament. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you, and you are not to be fearful or dismayed. Why is that? Why does he call me not to be fearful? I... I used to say that I wasn't very fearful because I wasn't smart enough to know what was fearful around me. I just, I just didn't see it. My husband would say to me, "I don't think that's very kind to yourself." But the truth is, I don't sense fear. Uh, Mother Teresa, the story of the nuns and her work in India, and. One of the nuns was quoted as saying, I ran away and stayed away. It was too much for me to do. And Mother Teresa said, I moved in and stayed. And if you've never read her book or never read, seen a documentary of her, a human being, not a perfect person, but what she did in the streets of Calcutta and with the people that she served, there is absolutely no way you cannot be touched deeply about a woman who was called, who felt she was called, to give herself away. So this staying notion is quite profound and quite across the board. And I do want to say that I'm trying to help in this series, giving you an eyesight in places that we are no longer staying. We are a leaving culture, not a staying culture. When we first began Homemakers by Choice, what, what, it, what, what it came to be was a group of women who were choosing to be stay-at-home moms. And they wanted somebody to mentor them, to walk alongside with them. And you've heard this story before, and I won't bore you with it, except to say, I said no. I waited for a year. I said yes. And here I am 37 years later. And it has been my joy to be a person who has supported the choice of being a stay-at-home mom. The second book I wrote, my publisher called me and asked me in the late 80s, would I write a book encouraging stay-at-home moms? I, I still, I remember saying to him, you understand that's still not a very popular concept. It's, it's a concept that's having a lot of conflict. He said, yes, I know. And my hero and mentor, Elizabeth Elliot, who, as you know, wrote 40 books, you should buy all of them and read all of them, said to me while I'm in her study in her beautiful home in the East, saying, Dotto, if you write that book, I won't have to. And it was called The Stay-at-Home Mom. And that's a lot of years ago. I'm still very proud of that work. My publisher republished this book called Loving Life as an At-Home Mom, and I stand behind what that means. Be at home, love being at home. But why should I be at home? Why shouldn't my husband be at home? Do you want to go through all the questions that couples are going through? We need the money. Do we need the money? I still have a perfect box full of letters from men and women who wrote 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and said, we sold our car, we downsized our house, we decided our children were more important. We're having a wonderful time. A young couple who came to me and said, we can't make it work. Look, we wrote all the numbers down and they come out red. What should we do? And I said, you have to trust God to what you should do. I can't tell you what to do. They called me a few weeks later and said, we're going to go forward and trust God. He was a school teacher. He was a school teacher. I don't even know much money he made in that time. But they, they were short. Every month there was gonna be red. And that spring, his, his school came to him and said, we're offering you a $5,000 extra bonus if you would coach a team, part of the work you already do. I will never forget their coming and bringing that little child, that first little child with them, and asking my husband to pray and give thanks for what God had done. They made the decision, even though it was in the red. Hundreds, thousands of stories we've heard like that. I have some very funny cards. I wish in some ways I was on TV right now, not only in one way, so you could see this card. It's kind of a, um, I don't know, 60s card card the picture of it, and there's a man with a hat and a pad and a paper in his hand, and there's a woman, she looks like, uh, what's that movie, what was that, Mrs., Mrs., no, the woman, the little family that she vacuumed in her her apron, Um, oh, sorry guys, she's that woman though, she's come to the door, she has her dress and her jewelry on, and she's looking at the man with his paper and pad, and he says, oh. So you have no occupation? You're just a stay-at-home mom? And then inside the car it says, I understand he's still in traction. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly where he should be. And and then I have another card. I, I I don't keep cards very often, but I have these two cards that I love. And it's a, a bear in a bathtub, my favorite place in the world. And the little bear says, when life gets too hectic, I've always found that a nice hot bath can solve most problems. And by the way, I've been here since last Thursday. So, you know, that is exactly what we feel like when we're staying at home, handling it all. It is a boatload of work. It is, in my opinion, the hardest work you will ever do in your life. And doctors and lawyers and merchant sheets have all said to me, Donna, you are right. I have so many words of testimony from people around the world who have said, I didn't want to do it, I wanted to do it, I felt inclined to do it, God called me to do it, it was the hardest thing I ever did, but I realized I could never go back and do it again. That's a very important part. Homemakers changed me, it changed a lot of us. Frederick Beekner says, my assumption is that the story of any one of us, in some measure, is the story of all of us. So when I tell my story, which I've done many times, the illegitimate birth, the divorce, the remarriage, the rape, the financial ruin, broken trust, church life, rejection, abandonment, these are all part of my story. It, in various phases throughout my life. But Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, promised me that he would never leave me or forsake me. He not only said never, the word never in that Hebrews passage is never to the fifth power. Like he is saying to me, I will never, 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 never leave you. And I want you to know, there are times when I think, I hear the Lord's voice saying that, and he's got sort of a, what kind of voice is it he's he's firm but he has a smile on his face and he says I know you need to hear that again Donna I know you think you're old enough you've passed this but you need to hear that again I will never leave you and he will never leave me and all the pain of the past has been turned into a passion for what I've been able to do and I have loved what I have done these last 37 years The proverb is full of suggestions. They are not promises. They are not directions, instructions. They're suggestions. But one that I particularly value is Proverbs 14 and 1. And it says, the wise woman builds her house. The foolish woman tears it down with her very own hands. I wish I could tell you how many times that passage has come to my head many times it's come to my head just about the time i'm about to say something i know i should not say like there it is don't say that don't don't no don't go there and then out it comes because i'm going to and then i remember that the wise woman doesn't do that the wise woman who gets to be making the choice of being a full-time mom has time to read the scripture for the scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training that you and me, women and men of God, might be equipped. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. In this culture, we suffer from uh, many things, a glut of words, a glut of experience, a glut of ideas, a glut of books, a glut of tapes, television channels. You can have 3,000 of them now. Yes, I'm old enough to remember when there were three, and I think they turned off at 9 o'clock. Maybe it was midnight, but it felt like 9 o'clock. Sometimes that continued eloquence, that continued too many words, it wearies us. We feel tired of hearing it. Sometimes we've heard it before, and we've heard it so many times that we decide to dismiss it. We decide to dismiss it. I have lived in a a period of time that at some time you could have known everything that was known. Everything that was known. In the year 2001, there, you could learn everything that was learned, and it and in over a six-year period of of life, it would not change significantly. You know what that period of life became in two thousand and one? Seven months, and now it's unknowable. There's there is no way that a human being could do that. That's simply overload. That's simply more than we need. And I have said to you many times, make sure what you're taking in is credible, workable, and memorable. It's useful to you and to your family. It's credible, it's workable, it's memorable. It's things that you can do to encourage the people that you love. The number—the last time I checked, and that's been some time ago—that your job as a full-time stay-at-home mother was worth was in the two hundred thousand-dollar mark. Two hundred thousand dollars. If they paid you two hundred twelve thousand and forty-five cents, or whatever it was, that would be what your job as chauffeur, counselor, cook. Um, housekeeper, all of the jobs that you take on as being a full-time mom. I want to remind you of how important that is. I want to remind you, young moms, that this is a 25-year investment. Yes, they may bring you a dandelion when they're two or three, but it's not till they're 23 or 25 that you look back and you say, oh, here's why I made that choice. Here's why my husband and I chose together. Uh, Today, many women, the percentage is still in the 60% of women who hold down part-time or full-time jobs and take care of full-time parenting. Many of them are single moms who have to do it all alone. We call you stay-at-home moms. We want you to recognize that being a stay-at-home mom is an important part of who you are. That's not a mall mom or Bible study mom, or shopping mom, or lunch mom, or TV mom, or book reading mom. I used to be a book reading mom. I loved to read books. And I can still remember to this day. And that must be, let's see, 43 years ago. Uh, Anissa went to school. I had my whole day. And the kitchen dishes had breakfast dishes. Dinner had to be made. The bed was unmade. I had a novel that was 585 or 850 pages long, just one more page, just one more chapter, just one more, and then all of a sudden it's 3 o'clock, and is coming home from school, and David's coming home for dinner, and I would get up and tear around the house like a mad woman and have everything sort of rumen, sort of ready. And then I began to understand that I might as well go to work if I'm going to read all day. What was I? What was I called to do? so i want you to know that i believe that this is a biblical view of the world it tells us that god wants younger women and widows to get married god tells us he wants us to get married i know that getting married is frightening i know it's full of love and joy but it's also frightening can you be a wife Do you know how to do it Staying at home is frightening. Can you handle all of these things? And what about the economics? Do we need two cars? Can we make it work? I want you to consider the reasons why you're working. Is it as important as what you're giving up to be at home full time with your children? We began this work before technology came to be in charge and the Senate hearings on materials being transferred into our homes like via companies like TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and then on and on and on. The cancellation life would not been heard of yet. The already youthful mind and soul had been carefully watched over. I met a young woman who, while pregnant, did not have one minute extra and was exhausted. And she said to me, how much more time will this child take? How much more time? Trying to figure it out. There isn't, I, I looked at her and said, I have no idea how much time this will take, but it will take all of you. And whatever you do to take away from it, Creating a home of faith, staying in that home of faith, staying with it. I love to create. Let's buy a new house. Let's paint it up and make it cute. Oh, you want me to stay in it and keep it clean and put fresh flowers out when they need it? That staying part is much harder to do. There is a value of motherhood written all through the scripture from Moses to Mary. Remember, you're not alone Remember, you're not alone. The number is still in the millions, 11 to 18%. I mean, 11.8 million known stay-at-home moms. I think that's the right number. Uh, You can find that research easily on your own website. Uh, But this staying-at-home influence is continuing to go down because we are unwilling to give up the economics that comes with it. And despite the fluctuations and the rate of staying at home, parenting is, the needs of parents is just the same. You have to teach them to study. You have to teach them to get up and get dressed and be orderly. You have to send them to school. Even the decision about making a school choice is much greater. Can you homeschool them? Can you... Can you private school them? Can you school them in two different schools? Can you? The the school options are everywhere, and you have to decide what's best and what's best for your children, and that's a big decision. I always want to remind you that you are the best choice. You are the best choice. It is a hard decision, and it is a decision that you are not alone in, not only are there vast numbers of women who are doing it, but God is with you, but you are the best choice. So many stories that we have heard through the years about adoptions and the crisis pregnancy nursery and where these little children wind up. And if you are unable to have your own children, the vast numbers of children who are looking for parents who will raise them you are the best choice if you are the mother if you are the father you're the best choice to raise these children together the facts continue to pour in and they are very slight indifference because you work full-time or part-time outside of the home does not mean you're going to race raise rebels Remember I said that, being away from the house does not mean you're gonna raise rebels. It is mean you're going to have less time with your own children. These children which are yours, only yours and your husband's. These children which God has given you. These children who you and you alone know how to take care of. These children, you are the best choice. And lastly, your faith will grow. Your faith will grow. I think of Susanna Wesley often, and as we end this time together, I think, oh, here she was, 25 pregnancies. I can't even imagine that. One right after another, one right after another. Uh, In poverty, less than they they needed food. They were in that condition. And yet, she raised these children. Susanna Wesley, who raised... Charles Wesley and his brother. What's his brother's name? Charles and something Matthew, I think. Wesley, who are the founders of the Wesleyan movement, who wrote books and hymnals and spread the gospel news of Jesus. Two of the eighteen children, uh, Susanna Wesley, did much in her determination to stay at home, to love her children, to pray for her children. Your faith will grow as you see God provide. Provide in the small ways and the most important ways. I went every Thursday morning and taught Homemakers by Choice for decades. I loved it. I loved watching you and seeing you. I loved hearing your stories. I loved dedicating your children. I loved encouraging you to go to church and find a church. I loved being together with you. These were holy days and when we left Um, having weekly meetings. We went to the podcast, and I loved being with you. Every show, 15 or 1,600 of these shows in countries all around the world, from Vietnam to Alaska to all, all around the world. I was always amazed that China and India and Russia... People were sending us notices and saying they were listening to us. And I pray that the words that I've inspired you with or tried to inspire you with are words that are found in the Scripture. For the Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, that we might be equipped to do what God has called us to do. Did he call you to have children? I think that is a wonderful gift and a wonderful calling. Did he call you to raise them? He did. And I pray that you will bear them and raise them in the way that God has called you to. I pray that what you've heard me say today is that it's a full-time job. You can do it best that way. But more than that, it's a job that you and your husband are given. Stay in that marriage. Stay in that family. Stay as a woman of faith in the place that you would raise your own children to the glory of God.
0: Thank you, Donna. I think you're in favor of staying. (laughs) We have a special offer for our our listeners. Uh, Donna mentioned the book, Loving Life as an At-Home Mom. Well, we have a number of them in our library and we'd like to give them away. We will give you a copy of Donna's book, Loving Life as an At-Home Mom. If you have listened to at least 10 podcasts of Donna's from Modern Homemakers, if you've done that, go to our website. There is a uh, pull down button that you can use to supply your name and address and we will send you the book and you may be stronger with having it so 10 podcasts you get a book go to the website and remember the common begin and the uncommon finish and stay and they stay at home you know why